This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, douche Bigelow? Line up, you fucking nerds! Who wants a shot at the champ? Whoa! Take Radio episode 83 for Thursday, March 17th, 2011. Happy St. Patrick's Day, folks. Uh, the intro music you were supposed to hear was something that was put together for St. Patrick's Day. I'm assuming that you guys will need to hear that on the archives later on this evening. Once again, Blog Talk Radio shits the bed. I apologize. Um, that, once again, was not planned. Nonetheless, let's get right into it, shall we? The caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. All right, let's get some housekeeping out of the way first. If you guys have been on to MyTakeRadio.com recently, you've seen that some ads are slowly making their way onto the site. These ads are actually for supporters of the show, and they're actually going to be smaller and less intrusive in the coming weeks. Um, I've actually put the bigger ads back because I got tired of seeing the the empty space there. We are actually offering ad space, and if you are interested in advertising on MyTakeRadio.com or during commercial segments for the show, definitely hit me up via email, mtrhost at MyTakeRadio.com, and we can discuss that further. Also, the forums have been actually getting a good amount of new members, but once again, the members are joining and not interacting, just something that I wanted to bring to everyone's attention because... Uh, March 31st, there will be a forum purge. Uh, once again, if your account has not been active in 90 days for whatever reason, please let me know so I can keep your account active. If not, it will be deleted on March 31st. Every 90 days, I will do a forum purge for non-active accounts just because it helps to make the forum run and look a little bit cleaner. Not only that, but if you're joining it, you might as well participate. If not, then you can always rejoin or, like I said, drop me a line via email and we can square things away. This week there's a ton of new content on MyTakeRadio.com, including a lot of great work from Slick, including a review for the Adjustment Bureau and for Battle Los Angeles. So definitely check those out. Uh, there's also some stuff there from Miss. Miss actually de debuted her Miss Soapbox column regarding WWE NXT. So check that out as well. She's going to be providing some really great content going forward, and she will be joining us at the end of the month where I will be having a WrestleMania panel. I will be joined by the uh, hosts of the Future Endeavors show from Blog Talk Radio, and they will be joining me along with Miss to discuss this year's WrestleMania pay-per-view on April 3rd, so definitely tune into that at the end of the month. Um, this week is fight week, and as such, I, was, I had a couple of different guests lined up for this week, but since we got fight stuff going on, 
for this Saturday in Jersey. I don't know who may or may not call in. Um, I was supposed to be joined by R.J. Clifford from uh, Sirius XM to talk some MMA. He will probably be on next week because he was flying into New York City, so I don't know what time and how his schedule looks. And also, I may be joined by uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, third-degree black belt, Ricardo Almeida. He may be joining us hopefully around 11.30 or so. I know that his schedule is also a bit tight, considering that he is fighting this weekend at UFC 128. So it should be interesting to see what happens within the next hour or so, who shows up, who doesn't. But needless to say, I will give you three hours of the best shit you've ever heard. Also, our UFC 128 fight picks went up earlier this week, so definitely... Stop by the site, check them out, let me know. You agree, you disagree. Um, Honestly, it's going to be a a fantastic card from start to finish. A lot of great fighters on there. Like I said, Ricardo Almeida is on that card. Brendan Schaub, who was on the show uh, last week. And, of course, oh, shit, I'm all messed up. And, of course, John Jones and Shogun will be fighting for the light heavyweight title. New York City was chock full of MMA this week with the UFC press conference going on at Radio City. Um, Of course, an impassioned plea from the MMA community here in New York to get MMA sanctioned. Definitely got to talk about that. Also, I got to talk about the catastrophe that is the TNA pay-per-view that happened this past Sunday. In addition to that, there will also be some talk of this week's Monday Night Raw. Uh, The Rock delivered a very solid promo. I did not take the opportunity to cut up the audio to put on air because it was very long and you really need the visual to appreciate the promo. But if you do want to see it, head over to our Facebook fan page and you can check that out. Um, Speaking of the fan page, we have broke 750 fans. The numbers tend to fluctuate up and down between 750 and 753, but we are at the magical 750 number. My goal is by this time in April, I'd like to have at least 850 fans try and grow the show 100 fans a month. If you know anybody who likes some of the stuff we cover, by all means, spread the word. Uh, Love hearing from you guys. I've been getting a lot of great feedback from the last few shows. Um, I announced on our Facebook fan page that Michael Jai White will be joining us next month uh, to discuss the Mortal Kombat webisode series that he is working on. In addition to that, he will also be discussing some upcoming projects. There are a couple of other guests in the pipe that I don't want to spoil for you guys. But we got some fighters, we got some wrestlers, uh, we got some actors. So hopefully it's going to be a great month of April for MTR. And, of course, we're going to close out March with a bang as well. Um, I'm going to actually take the opportunity if I, and, and make sure I remember this week to discuss my experiences with the iPad and the Android tablet. I'll probably go into that in the gaming segment. And also, of course, your video game, and movie news, because there is a ton of that going on this week. Uh, One thing in particular, um, lots of sequels and lots of casting news this week. So with that said, let's get the ball rolling with some MMA, shall we? All right, let's talk some MMA first. 
Uh, UFC Hall of Famer Hoist Gracie will be making his return to the Octagon. It is rumored, according to MMA Junkie, that his manager Mike Kogan has been in negotiations with the UFC. And there is talk of bringing Gracie back in to have one more match with an unnamed opponent as of yet. Um, according to Mike Kogan, he says that there is a deal possibly in place. They have plenty of time to make it work, and it's just a matter of getting things nailed down. I think seeing Hoist Gracie back in the UFC would be great, especially with their uh, broadcast that will be coming from Brazil. So I think that involving Hoist Gracie in Brazil would be fantastic for the sport. It would be a great way to get more of the Brazilian audience by having a lot of their national fighters um, involved in the Brazilian pay-per-view. I mean, Anderson Silva, everybody's saying, is a shoe-in. Hoist Gracie, Vanderlei Silva, who knows? But I think when the UFC takes their game to Brazil, you're going to see a lot of great Brazilian homegrown talent on display. And needless to say, in MMA, there's a lot of great standouts. Of course, the big, huge, monstrous news, let me just address the elephant in the room this week, was the acquisition of Strike Force by Zufa, of course, Zufa is the company that owns the UFC. Uh, huge news across the board. This was something that nobody saw coming, and when I saw the announcement and I posted it on MyTakeRadio.com, I was just blown away by how quick this came together. This has been happening since about late December or so. Um, as of right now, I'll just give you guys the finer points without going into the whole video. If you want to see it, just head over to the site. Basically, Zufa purchased Strikeforce, and there were rumors that Pro Elite was involved in possibly purchasing Strikeforce. What happens now is that Strikeforce will remain a separate entity from the UFC. The Strikeforce fighters will remain under the Strikeforce roster for the time being, with rumors that UFC fighters may eventually make their way over there. Dana White did go on record as saying that it's going to be run as business as usual. There are contracts in place. These guys are on Showtime. He said Strikeforce pulls good ratings. I think Showtime is happy with them. All these contracts will be honored. When asked if Scott Coker was going to be staying on, just like WEC executive Reed Harris, he will be staying on, of course. And Dana White did not rule out the possibility of cross-promotion super fights saying fighter contracts, broadcast deals, and business partnerships will remain unaffected. Um, one of the main reasons, of course, for Zufa making the offer and, and purchasing Strikeforce was to acquire more talent so that they can continue their global expansion. Dana White did insist on multiple occasions that Strikeforce will remain its own entity. They will, have their own bit, they will be their own entity and generate their own income. Of course, later on, er, later on this week, there was another UFC press conference in which the, the purchase of Strikeforce was discussed further. And there will be some subtle changes that you will see. The Strikeforce fights will remain uh, contested in a hexagon. In addition to that, effective immediately, elbows on the ground are now legal in Strikeforce, um, allowing the unified MMA rules to play out across the board. If you guys watch Strikeforce, you may have noticed that elbows on the ground are not legal I'm assuming with the amount of wrestlers that fight for Strike Force, this will be very, very interesting in terms of game plans going forward now that elbows are allowed on the ground. Strike Force's deal with Showtime remains in effect until 2014. Strike, Strike Force's announcers, the always lovable Gus Johnson, Mauro Ronaldo, Frank Shamrock, and Pat Militich, 
will not be changed due to the fact that Showtime controls the announcers for their events. Dana White did make mention that there is a possibility that the Strike Force Grand Prix Heavyweight Finals would be on pay-per-view. So that is definitely something to keep an eye out. Of course, a lot of people were upset as soon as they heard that, given the popularity of the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix and seeing the finals contested on pay-per-view definitely ruffled a few feathers. Of course, some things are not going to pass without a lot of negative press. Of, of course, Twitter exploded as soon as this announcement was made, and I talked with a lot of my friends and, and a couple of coworkers that follow MMA, and, and it's a pretty mixed bag. I mean, in purchasing and acquiring Strike Force, the big question mark is the future of women's MMA. Where does it go from here? You know, Dana White has been very adamant about allowing female fighters into the UFC. As of right now, the female mixed martial arts will continue on strike force throughout 2014. The big question is, will the talent pool be deep enough come 2014 that the UFC may entertain that prospect of allowing women's MMA to be contested in the, in the UFC octagon? That's something that's got to be watched very closely. Considering that there's, there's a, a wealth of talent in women's MMA that's, that's really good, but unfortunately is not deep. And that's something that has always been a, a major gripe. Uh, you know, we've, got, we've gotten past the fact of women fighting in the cage. You know, that's not really a, a big deal anymore. Now it seems that the talent pool is just not deep. In addition to that, you have such dominant champions like, like Cyborg, who at this moment has no opponent. Um, there are rumors that she may get a, Gina Carano may get a rematch with her. Even still, after that happens, what then? Th this goes back to what I talked about last week with uh, Cyborg possibly jumping ship to WWE due to the lack of competition in women's mixed martial arts. Again, these are things that will be watched very closely now that Zufa has acquired Strike Force, and it's going to be very interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of potential matchups, of course. The, another another huge issue is the Fedor issue, which of course you know M1 has its disagreements with the UFC. Um, it's said that the Fertitta brothers are going to be more involved with the fighters on the Strike Force side of things due to the fact that a lot of them don't like dealing with Dana White. Um, Paul Daly in particular went on record already saying that um, you know he's going to be fighting in April against Nick Diaz, and he kind of alluded to the fact that what if he doesn't want to fight for Dana White? What if he doesn't want to fight for Strikeforce? Um, he's gone on record already saying that, you know, somebody needs to talk to his management, and he feels that he doesn't, why should he make Zufa and Dana White money? This particular statement bothers me because Paul Daly, at this stage in the game, has some, he, he has a little bit more, leverage due to the fact that he's challenging for a belt. If he goes and wins the belt and beats Nick Diaz, he, he pretty much has the keys to the kingdom through 2014. The guy's, the guy's going to be the champion for Strike Force. The only thing they can do at that point is continuously throw challengers at him so that when the uh, 2014 Strike Force contract ends with Showtime, which is a no-brainer that they'll probably merge Strike Force with the UFC at that point, you know, he's he's got to definitely add some value to himself and give himself some sort of a bargaining chip. Honestly, Paul Daly, don't get me wrong, the sucker punch with Josh Koscheck was 
unprofessional, uncalled for, and quite fucked up. But the guy's a, a, a great fighter to watch. He's exciting. He has exciting fights. He has a huge fan base in the U.K. Um, in terms of global expansion with the UFC going into the U.K. so often and going into Europe in general, you really want to have a good stable of European fighters that they can, the crowd can cheer for and that they can you know, embrace as one of their own. You can't just build around just Michael Bisping. Because, yeah, he's, he's the, the, the popular guy and he's the guy, you know, that, that the U.K. wants to root for. But you have to give a, a little bit more variety. Of course, there are other European fighters on there. There's, you know, there's guys from Germany. Um, there's guys from Croatia. You've got uh, a, a diverse roster. But in terms of just global expansion, you know, may, maybe you want to keep Daly on. Again, that's something that, for me, is looking at the bigger picture. Again, I'm not advocating or or saying that what he did with his post-fight antics was appropriate. It wasn't. But in the term, in, in terms of making money and doing what you got to do to 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 grow your business, you're fucking right. I'd keep him. You know, if I if I were in Dana White's shoes, which I'm not, I I would keep him. But I'd tell him like, look, man, you know, you fucked up. It, it did not look cool. We will not tolerate it. You know, you're in strike force, and let's say he's the champion. Like, look, you're the champion here, and, you know, we look forward to doing business and having exciting fights, but you can't pull the shit that you pulled with Josh Koscik or you're done. Like, you'll be really done. Because, of course, the big thing now is everybody's talking about, you know, the MMA monopoly and how the UFC now is pretty much the, the, the largest promotion, and it eliminates secondary promotions for, for fighters to make money with. Again, if you're good enough to get into the UFC, you're going to make money. I'm sure that there are competitors and other organizations already working their way up to become a viable secondary option. You still have Bellator. You have um, Mark Pavlich's promotion out of Canada. These, these are things that, while small in nature at this point, open up a wealth of possibilities for other fighters. It's just a matter of which organization decides to, to really take it to the UFC and grow into a number two. That's all it is. I mean, WWE is a great example of this, and a lot of people made sure to cite WWE repeatedly throughout the weekend of this UFC announcement and saying that when WWE acquired WCW and eliminated the competition, their product took a hit. Yes, to an extent, but it also made room for companies like TNA to come up. Uh, Ring of Honor is still gaining some steam. you got Chikara. Uh, you got Dragon Gate. You have viable promotions out there. It's up to the promoters to really, um, you know, nut up and handle their business. You want to you wanna go up against the big dogs, you got to really go out there and give an exciting product. I love watching Bellator. Their tournament formats are fantastic. Now that they're on MTV2, it's really uh, great exposure for the sport. Anything that helps grow the sport of mixed martial arts, I'm a fan of. And the acquisition of Strike Force, again, huge wealth of possibilities. You get Josh Barnett in there, you know, with some great matches from him. Alistair Overeem, Strike Force heavyweight champion. You have the opportunity to do a super fight with your Strike Force heavyweight champion versus your UFC heavyweight champion. You can do um, a, a New Year's show, uh, you know, like in, like in Japan where you'd have super fights with the champions from both organizations. You know how much money that, how much revenue that would make? 
Like, imagine a guy, you know, a Nick Diaz or a Paul Daly versus a George St. Pierre in a super fight. Things like that, it's, 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 it's those potential matchups that excite me as a fan. Sure, there are certain business uh, tactics that I'm not very fond of, and I know certain fighters, their, their opportunities may be diminished, but, again, this, this allows secondary and, 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 third, and third place organizations to grow the sport. So definitely this is something to watch over a long period of time. Will it be good for the sport? Who knows? Will it be good for the fans? Absolutely. Moving on into some other news, the UFC was nominated for the Professional Sports League of the Year at the 2011 Sports Business Awards. The UFC was nominated along with the NBA, the NHL, the National Football League, and Major League Soccer. The winner will be unveiled as part of the ceremony on May 18th at the Marriott Marquis in Times Square, and this is the first time that the UFC has been nominated for a Sports Business Award. Considering what's going on with the NFL right now and the, you know, the bullshit with the NBA, it's really nice to see mixed martial arts taking center stage, regardless of the politics that, that all major sports have. MMA kind of keeps their politics within reason, um, one thing I would like to discuss, and it's a little going off topic, is um, some, some comments that were made by, I believe it was Adrian Peterson, where he was talking about that the, that the wages in the NFL are the equivalent of slavery. This is a guy that makes $10 million a year, and he's complaining about slave wages, and you make $10 million a year? I, I, the, the logistics in that boggle my mind, and that's something that, you know, the NFL lockout, albeit, uh, you know, sad to see it, what these guys are getting paid fuckloads of money. It's like one of the big sta- uh, one of the big uh, stalemates between the the players' union and and the NFL is you know the splitting revenue. It's like they made nine million dollars, I believe. If like, I don't have the the exact numbers, I believe it was nine million, and they just don't know how to divvy up that money. Meanwhile, MMA can't get sanctioned. But, you know, there's $9 million in revenue just sitting there that they don't know what to do with. Sad state of affairs, folks. Moving along. This Saturday, speaking of Bellator earlier on, will be the Bellator 37. That's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern on MTV2. And it's going to have the opening round of the eight-man featherweight tournament. So if you got MTV2, definitely check out Bellator at 7 p.m. Eastern on, M- on your local MTV2 channel. A couple of other things. Um, the UFC actually started finalizing their Ultimate Fighter 13 finale event. Uh, the main event for that is going to be Clay Guida versus Anthony Pettis. Um, in addition to that, you've got Jonathan Brookins and Jeremy Stevens on the card, Tim Crudeur and Ed Herman, Josh Grisby and George Roop, Scott Jorgensen and Ken Stone, Kyle Kingsbury and Fabio Maldonado. In addition, you have Rich Antonito versus Matt Brown, which is a rumored fight, and, rumor, and uh, Ruben Duran versus Francisco Rivera. Lastly, UFC also announced the fights for UFC 132 are slowly coming together for July 2nd at the Mandalay Bay in Vegas, and the main event will be John Fitch versus BJ Penn, the rematch. Of course, for those of you guys living under a shell, uh, Fitch and Penn ended in a draw, and they will be meeting again July 2nd. Also rumored on that card is Melvin Gillard and Shane Royer, and also Evan Dunham and George Sotteropoulos. I think I messed up Shane's last name. I don't know if it's Roller or Royer. 
I definitely got to make sure I get that pronunciation corrected because I always mess his name up. But UFC 132, July 2nd, Hen and Fitch, there has to be a winner. I mean, that fight was was exciting to watch, and, and the fact that it went to a draw definitely disheartened a lot of fans. But, hey, it gives us the opportunity to see a second one. All right, that wraps up the MMA news. I'm going to jump into some wrestling news. Let's see if the audio decides to work right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... (laughs) Well, you won't listen to that on our show because we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter... Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights, on all games. Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Look at that here. Andre, the giant hustle radio. Everyone has a pipe, Brad. Fuck All right, let's talk some wrestling, shall we? Let's get into TNA's exciting Victory Road pay-per-view. And I say excitement with, with, with about as much as enthusiasm as an old man with Alzheimer's trying to take his pills. It is embarrassing, the spectacle that TNA put on this past Sunday that people paid for. Before I go into the matches, I I need to say that TNA needs to be fucking embarrassed with the fuckery that occurred with the main event, and the fallout of that was discussed at length Sunday night, most of Monday, and Tuesday amongst the Twitter wrestling community and in multiple message boards and amongst those wrestling fans that I know off-air, of course. And pretty much they were all saying the same thing, that TNA really needs to reevaluate what the fuck is going on. With that being said, let me just run down the matches a little bit. The first opening match was the Bully Ray versus Tommy Dreamer match. Um, It was about as anticlimactic as you would expect. Um, Of course, it was a no-brainer that Devon would get involved. We got to see a 3D with Devon and Tommy Dreamer. Um, It was... A fun match, I guess, but definitely not. It wasn't even that I dislike seeing these guys wrestle. It's just the fact that the that the solo career of Bully Ray just isn't grabbing my attention. After he feuds with Devon and you feud with Tommy Dreamer, then what? Which, of course, leads me to TNA Impact this week and next week, which, of course, has already been recorded, and I'll discuss that at length next week. The TNA Knockout Tag Team Championship match with Sarita and Rosita versus Angelina Love and Winter. Um, once again, if you didn't expect a miscommunication or some sort of fuckery amongst the beautiful people, you are a dope. Because like you could have called it, there was a little bit of miscommunication with Angelina Love and Velvet Sky and Winter, which allowed Rosita to get the pin and win the tag team championship. So your knockout tag team champions 
are Rosita and Sarita. So with that, it was it was almost like you could have you could have forecasted that about a week before this match happened. They they've been pushing these two as a unit for a while now, and it was a no brainer that they would get the belts just because the the knockouts championship division is very thin. And with the wealth of talent of, of, of women's wrestlers that you had in TNA, you could have expanded on that particular division a lot more. But no, you didn't. You didn't. It's just the beautiful people with the belts and the beautiful people without the belts. Everybody else is just one and done that come through and try to compete for the tag team championships for pay-per-views and to give the knockouts more screen time, screen time Excuse me, which is unfortunate because you would think that, you know, you had Alisa, uh, Alisa Flash, uh, a.k.a. Raisha, Raisha, uh, Raisha Saeed, wow, um, Awesome Kong, Gail Kim, ODB, Roxy, um, Taylor Wilde, Hamada, uh, Miss Tessmacher even, um, Daphne, who got released recently, which was really fucked up, you had the makings of not only a solid women's division, but also a solid female tag team division. But once again, TNA just fucking themselves, one impact at a time. The first blood match with Hernandez and Matt Morgan was a complete clusterfuck. There was a fan that rushed the ring, which was so such a plant. Uh, Hernandez throwing fake blood on Matt Morgan. Where do they come up with this shit? Like, how is that a finish to a fucking match? It was embarrassing. The Ultimate X match for the X Division title was as exciting as you would expect with the participants involved with Jeremy Buck, Max Buck, Kazarian, and Robbie E. Definitely a lot of really great spots. Uh, Kazarian broke out the flux capacitor. All was right in the world. Um, Kazarian did retain, but it, w- it was an exciting match mired in the shit that was most of this pay-per-view. Ink Inc. and Beer Money were your tag team title uh, match for, for the evening, and Beer Money was retaining. I really didn't see them giving the belts to Ink Inc., especially with what I've been hearing, that they plan on breaking them up, which, once again, I don't understand why, because they are a viable uh, tag team that can chase for the belts. I think together those guys work well. They just need a little bit more seasoning to um, establish themselves as a working partnership. Why they didn't uh, let these guys continue feuding with Beer money, I have no idea, but the fact that they're already teasing the breakup is absurd. Matt Hardy and Ric Flair versus, with Ric Flair, I should say, against AJ Styles. Going in, I felt that this was going to be one of the worst matches of the evening, considering how Matt Hardy's ring abilities have been questionable as of late. He's had a couple of bright spots, but I will be the first to admit that this was actually my favorite match of the evening. Matt Hardy used a a different style, more of a brawling style in this particular match. He used his uh, larger size to try and push the pace against AJ Styles, and I really liked seeing that. It was different. Matt Hardy, of course, you know, he came in a little chubby, and he's slowly getting himself into into workable shape, and it's it's showing there's, there's improvement in his ring work, the only thing he needs to do is get rid of those fucking Jenko pants. It's 2010. Lose those shitty pants. 
Get some tights or a singlet or some shorts or something. Those pants are fucking bullshit. They're really fucking terrible. Like, it works for your brother, but for you, you know, your brother plays the part of a weirdo. You, you're trying to differentiate yourself. Lose the shitty pants. Christ, they're fucking god-awful. But again, I will, I will go back and say that the match was very enjoyable. AJ Styles did win the match, and he actually broke out the spiral tap to win the match, which was really good. It's always nice to see AJ break that out once in a while, and it just showed that if given enough time, these guys can really give you a couple of good matches. This should be the beginning of, of a lengthy feud, something where you can expand it into a pay-per-view or two, where, you know, Matt Hardy can say that AJ Styles got lucky, he's the better man, he's got better history, he's got longer tenure in the business. You can go really deep with this storyline, but I would remove Ric Flair because Ric Flair steals the spotlight from other wrestlers. Matt Hardy's mic work, not the best in the game, but with Ric Flair by his side, it takes attention. It takes the attention away from Matt Hardy, who needs the attention and focuses it way too much on Ric Flair. I think Hardy, with ample time and a good feud, can build himself up to be a solid, solid heel. So I'm really hoping that they continue with this particular feud. The number one contenders match with Mr. Anderson and Rob Van Dam, it seems TNA is just afraid to pull the trigger on one number one contender, and the match ends up ending in a double countout. Of course, the fans were not happy. And, of course, there were some... I found it highly odd that the fans were chanting to restart the match, and there were actually fans chanting no. There are rumors that there were actually plants that were leading that chant. If that is true, that's fucking stupid because the fans, they're an integral part of the pay-per-view. If they're upset, let them be upset, but don't, don't fucking try and make an angle out of the fans being upset. It's, it's, it's fucking, it screams of just bullshit. And, of course, the, the money match, the no-DQ world, he- world Heavyweight Championship match with Jeff Hardy and Sting. Let me tell you something. In the, in the time it takes me to deliver this sentence, that match was over. Jeff Hardy came out. He seemed off his game. He, tr- he looked like he was going to trip up the ring steps. He kind of stumbled out. Something seemed terribly amiss. The match came. It started, and Sting went to the ropes with Hardy counter, boom, scorpion death drop, Sting wins. The equivalent of 60 seconds, one minute. It was terrible. Terrible. The crowd was chanting bullshit. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. The fact that people paid $44.95 to see this shit that ended in, it's the equivalent of the Hogan finger point, but at least that was an angle. Jeff Hardy is a father, recently, recently married, and he continues the downward spiral that we're just watching. It's almost like, it's like, dude, do you want to, do you want people to wear black armbands with your initials on them? Is that what you want? Do you want to be martyred in the wrestling business that you're just on this path, on this path of self-destruction? It's, it's ridiculous to see. And then there were rumors that, oh, this is part of an angle. And they're going to do, you know, Jeff Hardy 
acting like Charlie Sheen. I'm like, please let that be a lie. And from what I've heard it is, and Jeff Hardy actually did get sent home from this week's Impact, and a couple of tweets from certain wrestlers that went out uh, stated that, you know, they wish Hardy a speedy recovery, and they hope that he gets himself together. First off, if Jeff Hardy was in no position to be out in the ring, who in the wonderful TNA brain trust took it upon themselves to say, yeah, let him go? Who did that? Who decided to put that man's life at risk, as well as the Sting, who, you know, isn't exactly a fucking spring chicken either, in a match with a guy who was, I don't know, wasted, stoned? That could have ended terribly. Terribly. What if, what if Hardy would have tried to do a swanton bomb just as a spot and lost his footing because he was fucking plastered or whatever the fuck was wrong with him? What then? Then you get the somber fucking announcers, oh, this is, this is a, a, a terrible day. Um, blah, you know, they break out fucking serious voice. If you show up to the arena and you're not ready to perform, all you got to do is a backstage attack from, from Rob Van Dam or Mr. Anderson and change the fucking main event. Or, or change the main event and make it a triple threat with Sting and give people something else. Give them something else instead of the shenanigans that you send out there with a fucking one-minute match that people paid forty-four ninety-five to see. I was embarrassed. I was disgusted. And I expected more from TNA. I really did. And this, this did not fucking help keep them in my good graces. Embarrassing for sure. And with that, of course, the fallout, was, like I said, Jeff Hardy got sent home, but TNA took the opportunity and sent out an announcement, which, of course, the wrestling fans were, the, the, the super hardcore TNA fans were quick to say, you see, man, TNA takes care of its fans, man, and blah, blah. No. You guys are fucking sheep. TNA is only taking care of you guys because they know they fucked up and that they didn't do things the way they were supposed to be done, and as such... This is why the match look, came out, the card looked like shit. TNA sent out the following statement. An important announcement to TNA Wrestling fans regarding this past Sunday's Victory Road pay-per-view. TNA Wrestling strives to give fans who purchase our pay-per-views as close to a full three-hour event as possible. This past Sunday's TNA Victory Road event fell short of that standard. Your support of TNA is never taken for granted. Ha <laughs> ha, right. To show you how we value that support, we would like to offer six months of free access to the TNA On Demand Library. To receive your free offer, send us a copy of your pay-per-view purchase receipt, blah, 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 and you'll get an, a special code that will unlock 300 hours of great TNA wrestling action. Yeah, those 300 hours of great TNA wrestling action were from when TNA first started. When you had guys like Triple X, America's Most Wanted, a real X Division at the time, Ultimate X, um, Sports Entertainment Extreme, Sonny Siaki. Uh, that's when shit was really good. If that 300 hours is the equivalent of Hogan running fucking TNA with stupid-ass Bischoff and his really fruity shirts, then you can keep your fucking unlock code. Because I'd just be like, look, send me 44.95, or better yet, don't even give me the money and donate it to fucking Japan. Because I don't even want it. I don't even want your fucking money because that's how disgusted I am. But no, you know, the, the, the real hardcore TNA sheep, oh, yeah, man, TNA, they care about it. No, they don't. They don't. Wake the fuck up, guys. They don't. How they're going to bounce back from this, I, I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't even tell you. 
because I've been reading the reports for impact for this week and for next week, and it's still just not a step in the right direction. Fucking up. All I got to say from this week's TNA is Pope trying to heal people like those stupid fucking Sunday church shows. That's all I got to say. But enough about that. Let's move on and, and discuss a little bit of Monday Night Raw. This week's Raw actually was, was a good build leading into WrestleMania. Of course, we opened up with The Rock cutting a fantastic promo this week. Um, he involved a little boy who was playing the role of John Cena. There was a lot of amusement in that promo. I actually enjoyed it, especially after the bullshit promo Cena cut last week. But again, the promos are starting to run their course a little bit. I know some people are like, you know, these promos run way too, way too long. 20 minutes of The Rock talking via satellite, clowning John Cena, blah, 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 sight gags. I think that the buildup is fine. I just feel that in some instances the length of a promo it's just a little too much when it's, uh, you know, when you're looking at, at, at Raw starting at, you know, 9.03 or whatever, and it's 9.20, and The Rock is still fucking screaming into the camera. I don't know, I don't know if that's, I guess maybe it's because I've gotten older. Like, at this point, I'm like, all right, can we move the fuck on already? We get it. You bring it. John Cena's fucking the Hamburglar or fucking Fruity Pebbles, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Move it the fuck on. But... It was For what it was, it was good. Of course, the guest this week on Raw was Snooki from the Jersey Shore. So there was obviously going to be a setup for that, and that was actually quite surprising. One of the first quote-unquote matches of the evening was The Miz against the great Kali. Of course, Alex Riley interfered, who is fired. Um, the Miz ended up winning via DQ. Actually, no. Well, no, there was uh, Kali won via DQ because Alex Riley interfered. The Miz fucking goes nuts, starts beating the great Kali with a chair, which probably means that the great Kali will be returning to India to be a cop or whatever the fuck it is he does when he is not a wrestler. Uh, next up, a uh, little bit of a backstage segment. You had John Morrison with Snooki. Of course, Vicky Guerrero and Dolph Ziggler show up. Vicky tries to clown Snooki, at which point... Of course, Vicky tries to go for the, for the slap, which Snooki counters because she's a veteran of getting punched in the face, and proceeds to slap Vicky Guerrero senseless, which leads to Vicky screaming like a lunatic, and Dolph Ziggler comforting her with the look of anguish on his face that can only be reserved for people watching paint dry. We had a U.S. title match with Sheamus and Daniel Bryan. Um, everybody expected it to be a... Uh, a U.S. title match, but it turns out that the stipulation was that if Sheamus loses, he quits. Uh, Sheamus did beat Daniel Bryan, um, and Daniel Bryan's title reign comes to an end. So Sheamus ends up getting the United States title. I really hope that this leads to something better for Daniel Bryan and for Sheamus, for that matter. It seems that both guys have kind of gotten lost in the shuffle of the WrestleMania hoopla. Of course, a lot of people have been saying that Sheamus is kind of on the writer's shit list for what? I do not know. I do know that Sheamus is on the cover of Muscle and Fitness this month looking extremely pale because I don't give a fuck how much bronzer you put on that nigga. He is a Casper-colored motherfucker, and that did not help him. But regardless of the fact, Sheamus gets the U.S. title. We get a little Michael Cole segment, which, of course, they take the opportunity to recap last week's uh, JBL-Michael-Cole-Austin situation. Um, Michael Cole was interviewing someone from Jerry Lawler's past, that being Too Cool's 
Brian Christopher or Grandmaster Sexy, which was um, a very, actually a, a very powerful promo only because, you know, Brian Christopher showed a lot of emotion amongst poor cardio for that matter. Um, but he, it just showed a good range of emotion. They brought a lot of real world into it. It's, you know, it led, of course, to Jim Ross coming out, which was huge. Uh, Jim Ross ended up getting caught in the ankle lock by fucking Michael Cole and stupid-ass Jack Swagger. Um, this, of course, is going to be a setup probably for JR doing the announcing duties at WrestleMania, which I have no problem with whatsoever. Um, some people have gone on record as saying that, you know, the Lawler angle, you know, with the referencing of his mom who had passed away last week, bringing in his son this week, they're really going for the jugular in terms of using a lot of real-world um, situations to add to the angle, which is fine. It just, it just feels like it. I, I think that Jerry Lawler has to feel a little uncomfortable, just a little. I mean, even if the promo is scripted, you know, there was real emotion coming out of his son, and it could probably just be the basis that he, um, you know, the, the the emotion was supposed to be raw, but it's just a little too close to to home for my liking. But nonetheless, it served its purpose. Randy Orton versus Mason Ryan, of course, last match. Last member of the Nexus left, of course. If he loses, CM Punk would have no one in his corner, and it would be a one-on-one -on -one match with Randy Orton. It was pretty much formulaic as expected, with Randy Orton catching Batista 2.0 in an RKO, and, of course, a punt to end it all. So, Mason Ryan is out. I actually think that they should just call Randy Orton's punt the developmental punt because every guy that gets punted by Randy Orton is being sent back to developmental or being taken off the of TV, so they should just call the fucking punt the developmental from now on, or the minor league punt. Hall of Fame announcement came next. Drew Carey is going into the Hall of Fame. Does anyone give a shit? Cue the crickets, folks, because I sure as fuck don't. Vicky Guerrero and Trish Stratus was exactly the comedy fest you would expect. Um, of course, it was a no-DQ match. Snooki got involved, Lakul got involved, Dolph Ziggler got involved, John Morrison got involved, but the big setup here was that Snooki, John Morrison, and Trish Stratus will be taking on Lakul and fucking Dolph Ziggler, or I think it's Vicky Guerrero, Lakul, and Dolph Ziggler, who knows at this point, but Snooki will be at WrestleMania. So, once again... They take TNA's one-offs, the one-off angle, capitalize on it, and do something bigger. You know, they, they got Wow, which was big. Then they brought Angelina in, which was lukewarm. But WWE came and they went, yoink, grab the most popular one, throw her in there, boom, toss her into WrestleMania. Now it remains to be seen if the rest of the Jersey Shore will conveniently be in Snooki's corner at WrestleMania and if they, too, will get involved in the match in some capacity. Very interesting. Of course, we got a Sin Cara promo, which I'm very excited for, which will probably either happen at Mania with his debut, possibly in the Rey Mysterio match, or probably shortly thereafter. Very excited to see him wrestle here in the United States. Uh, definitely, if you want to learn more about him, look him up on YouTube. Look up Mystico, and you will see what the deal is with Sin Cara, because he is no joke. To close things out, Alberto Del Rio and John Cena was your main event. Uh, definitely a, 
great main event. Brodus Clay got involved. Um, Del Rio looking crisp all the way to WrestleMania. I think doing a match with both number one contenders was the apropos way to go. Uh, the Rock's music hit. Everybody assumed that The Rock was going to come out. They went fucking nuts. The wig came. Uh, the Miz came out with a bald-headed Scully wig or a bald head cap and uh, a lot of bronzer and The Rock's gear on, and he pretty much clowned everybody. It was cute. It was funny. Uh, the Miz then proceeded to whoop John Cena's ass. It obviously is being done to make The Miz look stronger leading up to WrestleMania because... Quite honestly, he was getting lost in the sh- in the shuffle with the Rock and Cena angle. So definitely I was very excited to see that. Not because I like The Miz, but just because as a champion, he was looking really fucking weak. So Raw was, if I can really say, give it a letter grade, I'd give it a B plus. There were certain things I didn't like, but B plus, some good angle advancement. Uh, that Rock promo was solid and definitely continued to build a buzz for WrestleMania. Overall, B+. In some other WWE news, now that the NFL is locked out, it seems that Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills linebacker Sean Merriman is looking for something to do. He actually took to his Twitter account stating that he would like to enter a WWE ring. He posted on his Twitter account, Dear WWE, now that the lockout is official, I would love to whoop some ass. Sincerely, Lights. Of course... Sean Merriman's had a little bit of an issue with CM Punk, um, given some comments that Punk made about him a couple of weeks back. So it should be very interesting to see how this develops, especially now with the lockout, whether he does sign with WWE or whether they do some sort of an angle. Um, Don't bring in football players that don't take time to learn the fundamentals, please. That's the first recommendation I have. Number two, focus on what you got. Stop bringing in more people to fucking bolster your programming when you have a huge roster of talented individuals there to do it. The Snooki thing, great. It's there. She goes to Mania, gets it done. We move on. But don't, don't bring in all these football players that, that are trying to get quick paydays and water down your product. You want to do something big, do something big. But otherwise, leave them the fuck home. Last but not least, two last bits of wrestling news. Of course, Ring of Honor will be here in New York this weekend. Um, You'll be able to see them at the Manhattan Mayhem event in the city. Um, You can check that out at rohwrestling.com for details. But here are some of the matches. Roderick Strong and Eddie Edwards for your main event. Uh, Tag team title match with the Kings of Wrestling uh, versus LAX. A A pure wrestling rules match with Davey Richards and Christopher Daniels. Fuck, I wish I could be there to see that. Uh, Jay and Mark Briscoe against the All Night Express. T.J. Perkins against El Generico. Grizzly Red, Redwood, excuse me, versus Tommaso Ciampa with Prince Nana. And of course, there are also scheduled to appear, scheduled for appearances: Steve Carino, Adam Coyle, Adam Cole, sorry, Kyle O'Reilly, Mike Bennett, and uh, Truth Martini as well. So, if you're in the city this weekend, definitely go and check out Ring of Honor. I think they have a 4 p.m. start time. So if you want more details, ROHWrestling.com is the place to be. In some Chikara King of Trios news, they actually made an announcement that the 123 Kid will be returning, um, a.k.a. X-Pac, to the King of Trios 2011. That's going to be happening the weekend of April 15th, 16th, and 17th. There's uh, 48 wrestlers in total that will be involved at the former ECW Arena in Philly uh, with the King of Trios 2011. You've got 16 teams that will compete over the course of three days with just one team left standing. 
Uh, team Minnesota is what the one two three kids team is going to be called. Sean Waltman will be joined by Eric Cannon and Darren Corbin for the tournament. In addition to that, you've got Team Michinoku Pro with uh, the great Tasuke, Dick Togo, and Jinsei Shinzaki, who you may remember as Hakushi back in the WWF days. Um, I actually read a very depressing article regarding Jinsei Shinzaki, who actually is living out of his car due to the events in Tokyo, Japan, well, in Japan and in Tokyo as well. Um, he lost his home, he lost his business, and he's been living out of his car, so... I'm, I'm actually very happy to see him involved in the King of Trios tournament, and I really hope that he gets back on his feet. If you have any spare money laying around, take the opportunity and donate it uh, to relief effort, efforts in Japan. I know I don't normally do public service announcements, but shit over there is bad. You've got nuclear fallout uh, potentially on the verge of happening, um, aftershocks, cars on top of roofs, people washed away. Oh, it's, it's a fucking disaster. Um, also, going back into the King of Trios tournament, uh, you got Team Osaka Pro on there, Manami Toyota, Mike Quackenbush, and Jigsaw also have a team. Uh, M friend of MTR, of course, and TNA X Division superstar Amazing Red will be there with the Maximos or the SATs. Um, for those of you that watched them in the old days, Kazarni and is going to be joined by the Batiri. You also have uh, Team 3.0 Lay with uh, El Generico. Scott Parker, and Shane Matthews, and there will be a final trio that's going to be revealed soon on the Chikara YouTube channel, so keep an eye out for that. And like I said, the King of Trios tournament will be April 15th, 16th, and 17th in the ECW Arena in South Philly. So keep an eye out not only for MTR for further news, but also go to Chikara's website as well. All right, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When I get back, we will be discussing video games right after this. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Blogtalkradio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right. Let's talk some video games. First off, if you haven't been on MyTakeRadio.com recently, I suggest you do head over there to check it out to see the newest trailer for Batman Arkham City. Batman Arkham City will be released in North America on October 18th. So it's going to be a great time for fans of the franchise to get right back into it just in time for Halloween. The new Batman Arkham City will have a larger play environment, more bad guys, and better combat mechanics. I am super excited to see it, super excited to play it, and I feel that it will definitely live up to the expectations that the trailers are putting forward with the, with the gaming community. I actually played the first one and finished it and enjoyed it immensely. So I look forward to Batman Arkham City, and you'll be able to pick it up, like I said, on October 18th. Europe and other global territories will get it on the 21st, and those of you in Australia will get it October 19th. In some EA sports news, because EA loves fucking over the fans, um, a lot of people picked up the NBA Jam game 
with the with the anticipation that EA would go out of their way to support it, much like they do their other franchises with roster updates. This time, it is not the case. Seems that with the updated rosters and player tweaks that usually come with every EA franchise game, NBA Jam will not be receiving any updates. EA released an official statement stating, our priority for Jam on the 360 and the PS3 was to deliver HD graphics and online play to round out the great gameplay that defines the franchise. For us to also include roster and title update possibilities, we would have had sacrificed quality in those key areas and thus made the difficult decision not to include them. You mean to tell me that to include roster updates in a game that whose graphics are on par with the fucking Wii, it was difficult to do, and it was going to delay the game? Are you fucking serious? You guys release roster updates for fucking every game before new ones even come out. Madden, Madden gets outdated two weeks after it's purchased because you guys release patches and roster updates. And you mean to tell me that you can't at least put out a recent roster update so that Carmelo Anthony can be on the fucking Knicks? Way to go, EA. Sometimes I really don't feel bad shitting on you guys. It's, uh, it's, it's really fucked up. Just because there were so many changes in the NBA, so many roster updates, you would have thought that they would have taken the opportunity to, to do that at least once. If you release at least one roster update, it wouldn't have been so bad. It would have kind of brought everything current, even if you stopped supporting the game a year later. But there were so many changes in the league this year that you guys really should have made that fucking happen. The tsunami and earthquake in Japan is also taking its toll on the gaming industry. There were some game cancellations that were announced and also delayed and server suspensions. Uh, first off, IREM has canceled Disaster Report 4, while Sega and Sony delayed the Japanese release of Yakuza and Motor Storm Apocalypse. Excuse me, Motor Storm Apocalypse. It is believed that the games have been delayed due to dealing with the destruction of both of Japan and its surrounding cities. Well, Japan and its cities, of course, not surrounding. Uh, Disaster Report 4, like I said, was canceled uh, because the game... The premise for the game was a player escaping a city when an earthquake has just hit. It was scheduled to be released only in Japan. Yeah, definitely not a game you want to put out. Um, the quake also led to multiplayer servers being taken down to comply with Japan's request to conserve power. That means servers for Final Fantasy fourteen and eleven are down for at least a week, as are the servers for Metal Gear Online. In some Transformers gaming news, Hasbro announced that there will be a new type of Transformers game coming out. Um, it is going to be an MMO Transformers game, and unlike other MMOs that have released in America, this particular game will be different because it will allow you to lead a dream team of Transformers in a war against custom-created Transformers that you will be able to guide on selected missions. I think that the concept itself is pretty cool. I mean, DC Universe Online got the trend rolling with MMOs, and to see the Transformers universe... Uh, take center stage. I'm going to be watching it with much interest. I'm not a big MMO guy, but I have played most of the Transformers games that have come out, and the only one that has impressed me is War for Cybertron thus far. So the MMO possibilities are there, and they can actually be very successful if done right. Uh, the game is going to have a free-to-play style like RuneScape, based on what I've been hearing. Xbox Live game Torchlight 
has actually had a new sa- has actually met been met with new sales records. The game hit its highest sales day ever when the game dropped on Xbox Live on Wednesday. So definitely uh, big news for the crew at Torchlight. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about it. I haven't played it yet, but I will have to check out the demo sometime this weekend so I can see what the what all the hubbub is about. In some Microsoft hardware news, we should cue the death knell for the Zune. It seems that Microsoft will not be doing any more media players. They have announced that no new Zunes will be developed. The current models will remain on the market. The plan right now is to develop Zune software and incorporate it into Windows-based mobile phones. The statement released by Xbox was the following. We are thrilled by the consumer excitement for Zune across many new platforms, including Windows Phone 7 and Xbox 360, the company said in the statement. Our, long, our long-term strategy focuses on the strength of the entire Zune ecosystem across Microsoft platforms. And the last two bits of gaming news, uh, the ABC show Wipeout will be coming to the Connect. It's going to be titled Wipeout in the Zone. You're going to be able to avoid 30 unblockable, uh, 30 obstacles you'll be able to avoid. Players will be able to run, duck, dodge, and wipe out while moving around. So you will be able to enjoy the Wipeout activities this summer for the Connect. Last but not least, Sony continues their war against George Hotz, a.k.a. GeoHot. Um, based on now, Sony seems to be accessing his PayPal account. They are actually checking his PayPal records to see if he received any money for hacking the PS3. Looks like Sony is not fucking around when it comes to these hackers, and George Hotz is really being, has been taken to task by Sony, which is unfortunate. I mean, if you're... If, most hackers at this point, especially those that are highly sophisticated, are usually hired by companies to help secure hardware, in, hardware incidents. Seems George Hot is on Sony's shit list right now. All right. Like I said earlier in the broadcast, I did pick up a couple of things I wanted to talk to you guys about. I did um, discontinue my BlackBerry and decided to apply my money towards an iPad. Um, I did not pick up the iPad 2. I felt that um, the iPad 2, while pretty with its, with its dual cameras and, you know, faster processor and super thin uh, construction was nice, I just felt that from an economic standpoint, it just, it just wasn't something I was really ready to shell out that much money for. On the flip side, the, uh, the first edition iPad did receive a price drop, and I took the opportunity to pick up um, a 16-gig iPad with uh, 3G and Wi-Fi. And I will tell you that I was a big detractor of the iPad because I didn't find any functionality in it in terms of, you know, you can just as easily have a laptop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, my fiancé actually sold her MacBook and applied her money and got an iPad first. She owned the iPad, and, of course, you know, I got to check it out, and I got to see a different side of the iPad. Besides being a gaming device, it, it really is not meant to replace your laptop in any shape, way, or form. It's, it's more of just a, an expensive toy, um, something cool to have. But in owning it these last couple of weeks, I have found a lot of great purposes for it that have not only helped in terms of providing show content, but have allowed me to read more. Um, I've actually saved money just from buying periodicals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
the iPad in my in my in, for, you know in my opinion is a, a luxury device. It's not something you necessarily need. If you can get one, great. If you know if you, if you have the funds to check it out, I recommend you do. Um, if you're a comic book fan, it's great. I actually have gotten a, got a lot of issues of books. I haven't really bought a comic book in a while, only because uh, the left side of my room is full of boxes. So I decided to start reading comics again on the iPad, and it has been a very enjoyable experience. Um, the comics look great. It, the iPad isn't very heavy. In addition to that, I've been reading more books, more magazines, just because there's more shelf space. Now that I sold a lot of books and stuff, again, I'm only I'm only talking from my personal experience. A lot of people just feel that the iPad is, you know, bullshit. But I also took the opportunity the week I purchased the iPad to test out the Motorola Zoom tablet that was on display in Best Buy, which was running on the Android Honeycomb OS. And I will tell you, the technology on the Motorola side of things with Android, very nice, very high tech front-facing, dual-facing cameras, uh, speedy, multitasking, fantastic. What was my uh, big detractor? The, put, it, put it like this, the limited apps on the Honeycomb, on the honeycomb, <laughs> on the honeycomb platform. I believe that at, at this time there are about 100 apps available. Um, and looking in the chat, I see that Miss said that it's just a fancy e-reader. You know, I used to think that, but now that I've seen other other applications of the iPad, it's really a, a lot more than that. In taking taking into consideration something I saw at Comic Con recently um, was the fact that you can do panels now, have notes that you take on your iPad that you can sync with Dropbox to your desktop at home. I can now post remotely on WordPress if I wanted to do quick test um, text posts. Um, I don't have to carry a laptop. It's instantly on. It has a 10-hour battery life, yada, yada, yada. You know, I can extol all these virtues. There's other things that people are doing also which are pretty cool. Um, I actually saw a guy in Starbucks who was actually drawing. He had a, a stylist. Uh, he had a stylist that not only was a regular pen stylist but also a brush, and he was drawing and painting on the iPad, and it was really well done. Actually, if you look on Google, you'll also see a couple of pictures that Jim Lee drew on an iPad which were really nice. Again, it's a, it's a luxury device, but once you have one, you'll appreciate the uses for it. Um, like I was saying with the Android platform, the Android platform has a long way to go in terms of, of app development, but it really is a, a, a great alternative to the Apple system. I know a lot of guys, especially a lot of people that I know personally, are not fans of Apple products for a multitude of reasons, and they've been entertaining other options like the Motorola Zoom tablet or the BlackBerry Playbook. I will tell you that if you are on the fence about picking it up, definitely if you can pick up a first-generation iPad, you can pick up a first-generation iPad right now on your local Craigslist for 300 bucks if you want a, a Wi-Fi one. I saw something going as low as 250 and a 3G iPad, uh, first edition, if you don't really care about the camera and the bells and whistles, you can pick up for a, for, a, for a decent saving. So if you're in the market for one, do yourself a favor and pick up the first one. If you care about FaceTime and the cameras and all that shit, get yourself an iPad 2. And if you're on the Android side of things, keep an eye out, like I said, for the Zoom tablet. 
which is actually the most promising device now. There's actually a Wi-Fi version that should be dropping within the next three weeks, and it will be about $599 or $529, I've been hearing, uh, based on some pricing that was put out in Costco. So with that, if you want to check out a tablet and you're uh, a reader or you're just somebody that likes to have something cool uh, close by when you're watching TV, definitely check out an iPad. I've watched a couple of Netflix movies on it. I'm, I'm such a nerd now. Um, but, again, either the iPad or the Motorola Zoom are solid devices from, from my personal experience. If you're on the Android side, like I said, wait a little bit so that the 3.0 applications are more plentiful. Right now, the, the 65 to 100 applications that are there are the essentials, but not enough to warrant purchase. All right. With that said, I'm going to take a commercial break. When I come back, we are going to get into some movie news right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, the hottest place on the Internet for wrestling and video games is, of course, WGS Radio. We got it all. News, reviews, interviews with some of the biggest stars in wrestling today, and yes, even... Oh, my God! The leader of Team Gooch himself, Mick Dirty says. That's every Wednesday and Saturday night, 7 p.m. Central Time. And of course, for pay-per-views, two hours before every pay-per-view for wrestling. www.blogtalkradio.com slash WGS Radio. We'll see you there. shall we? First off, and this blew my mind. I can't even call it what the fuck movie news because it's, it's madness. According to Variety, Johnny Knoxville is a near lock for a role in the Three Stooges film. Knoxville would be playing the part of Moe. The film will see the trio left as newborns outside an orphanage and will follow them into adulthood. The full film will be divided into three half-hour shorts, the roles of Larry and Curly have yet to be cast. So look at that. Johnny Knoxville, one of the three Stooges. I, I, can't, even, I, I can't even form a, a, an opinion on this because it's so awful that you even want to do a Three Stooges movie. Other than, you know, young kids and old-timers that love the Stooges, a lot of these new, you know, the newer generation is not going to have the same appreciation for that genre. And quite honestly, I just don't feel that it's going to take off. It's, it's the equivalent of, you know, the fucking honeymooners with Cedric the Entertainer at this point. So I really am not looking forward to this at all because it's just going to ruin the legacy, uh, the ruin the legacy of the Three Stooges. So you guys can keep that shit. In some... Captain America Casting News, Derek Luke from Notorious and Friday Night Lights will be playing the role of Gabe Jones of the Howling Commandos in Captain America. 
Uh, Jones in the comics was introduced as a member of Sergeant Fury and his sergeant and his Howling Commandos team back in 1963, and later on became a Shield agent under Fury. It's all it's also up for debate if we will be seeing a younger version of Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury character in the movie leading the Howling Commandos. Very interesting. In some other superhero movie news, that. There are rumblings that Aaron Eckhart's Two-Face character will be in the next Batman film. Um, While Eckhart was out promoting Battle Los Angeles, when asked, he did not give a straight answer. One of the questions, of course, was, will Two-Face return, even as a flashback? He smiled and said, I could not possibly say. Obviously, we know that it will have great implications with continuity involving Eckhart's character because it was very open-ended whether he died or not. Um, It was almost a certainty that he did die, including uh, confirmations from the director and actor, but, you know, history can be rewritten, and even in a flashback, the involvement of Two-Face's character, you know, just adds a little bit more meat to the Batman story. Here's some nice uh, reboot-slash-remake movie news. Remember the film Cat People uh, with Nastasia Kinski during the 80s, I believe, which was a remake of an older film? Guess what? That's being remade again. seems that Universal is working on this new reboot, which will be the fourth film in the franchise. The first, which was directed by Val Luton. Val Luton came out in 1942. And then a direct sequel in 1944 was Curse of the Cat People. And, of course, the 1982 Paul Schrader classic which I actually saw, I think, when I was six years old. Of course, now it's a new one. The story's going to follow the last two surviving cat people in the world who've been busy feasting off the male population in Miami. They seek a cat man to mate with to ensure the future of their kind. So something that I am sure is going to be R-rated. On the box office side of things, Battle Los Angeles was number one this week. Uh, It opened in... 3,147 theaters, it had a $70 million budget, and brought in a $10,536 per theater average, making $36 million total. Rango dropped to number two, that's a 40% drop, it's made $68.7 million domestically, 85.4 worldwide, the film had a budget of $135 million. Um, Amanda Seyfried's Red Riding Hood opened at number three with $14 million, the Adjustment Bureau dropped two spots to number four with $11.5 million. Mars Needs Moms opened at number five with $6.8 million, which is considered one of Disney's lowest openings in some time. Film cost $150 million to make. I smell stinker on this one. Hall Pass dropped to number six with $5.1 million. The Hall Pass has made $34.9 million. Domestically and 37.2 worldwide, it is coming off a $36 million budget, uh, so definitely starting to see a little bit of profit there. Beastly dropped four spots to number seven with $5.1 million. That's a 48% drop. Um, The film has a domestic gross of $17 million off a budget of $17 million, so the film has broke even. Just Go With It dropped one spot to number eight. The King's Speech was number nine, and Nomeo and Juliet dropped to number ten. In some Marvel superhero news, David Slade, who directed the Twilight Saga Eclipse and Hard Candy, has signed on to direct the next Daredevil from 20th Century Fox. Rumors are saying that the untitled film will be a continuation of the superhero pick, but it will not contain footage. 
from the first Ben Affleck film. No actors attached to star yet, but there are already rumors that Robert Pattinson is a rumored star. Yuck. This also adds to the original story a couple of months back that Jason Statham expressed interest in portraying the man without fear. Neither of those two guys would work as Daredevil at all. There's also a rumor that Bradley Cooper is being rumored for the role. Again, not a, not a candidate I'd see playing the role. Some people have said that Ben Affleck didn't do a bad job. Honestly, for those of you that have seen Daredevil and really panned it, do yourselves a favor. Pick up the director's edition, whether through Netflix or, or Redbox or whatever, and check it out. The director's edition is a far better representation of the character. It tells a better story, and it maintains an R rating, which is what the film should have originally been. And instead of the fucking lovey-dovey bullshit that we were treated to uh, with fighting on seesaws in a fucking park with little kids cheering you on. Oh, yeah, don't, don't forget that that shit did happen. Here's some sequel news I didn't thought I'd be reading so soon. They are doing a sequel to American Pie called American Reunion. Thus far, Jason Biggs, Sean William Scott, and Eugene Levy are rumored to be making their returns. Um, the studio is still in negotiations to bring back Thomas Ian Nicholas, Tara Reid, Chris Klein, Mina Suvari, and Jennifer Coolidge. What the fuck are any of these guys doing that they're not going to do this movie? If any of these guys fucking back out of this movie, they're stupid because what are they doing? What is Jason Biggs doing? What is he doing? What is Stifler doing other than going to rehab? And Eugene Levy, fuck, what, what has he done other than fucking pop up in scary movies? Nothing. In some Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance news, uh, Limitless star Johnny Whitworth has gone on record as saying that he will be playing Blackout in the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance film. So, with that said, we now have our villain. Ghost Rider Spirits of Vengeance drops February 17, 2012. I'm actually excited to hear that they're bringing Blackout into the movie just because he's one of those guys that has been a pretty consistent Ghost Rider villain, especially through a majority of the early issues from the Danny Ketch series. So, very excited to see Blackout on screen. I hope it's done right. I can look past the whole Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider thing if the villain is done good and the story is solid. Please let it be so. In some other sequel news, Liam Neeson and Luke Besson have worked out some scheduling issues, and Liam Neeson will be returning to reprise his role in Taken 2. He will be, Liam Neeson will be taking the rest of the year off after the Clash of the Titans sequel that he's currently shooting, and then he will go on to... Uh, work on the Taken sequel. Taken was actually a very solid flick. I think that if a sequel is done well and written well, it should do well. You know, that's a, that's a lot of fucking wells in that sentence, but it, w it was a solid movie. I enjoyed it. Liam Neeson played a really great character, and if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend you check it out. In some other comic movie news, DJ Caruso... Uh, director DJ Caruso said that he is working on the Preacher film and he is looking at potential actors for the role, uh, including Chris Pine, who he'd like to play the role of Jesse Custer. Uh, he also is looking at Shia LaBeouf, uh, Shia LaBeouf to play Arseface, uh, and he's also looking at Alex Pettifer from I Am Number 4 to play the Saint of Killers. Preacher, of course, is an adaptation of the popular 1990s Vertigo series, which was, written, which was created by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. Wow, it seems to be a uh, huge amount of comic news this week. 
Um, Darren, uh, Aaron, uh, ugh, I always ruin this poor bastard's name. Darren Arnofsky will not be doing Wolverine, which of course destines this movie for fucking mediocrity. Um, Aronofsky is not able to do the movie because uh, after speaking with Fox, they found out that the Wolverine project will keep him out of the country for a year. He said that he's not comfortable being away for his co- from his family for that length of time. He's actually very sad that he won't be able to do the project because the script is terrific, and he was really looking forward to working with Hugh Jackman. I, you know, it's a little fucked up because I knew I, I had a feeling that um, Darren Aronofsky was going to do a a more faithful representation of the Wolverine character. Whether they continue in that direction remains to be seen, but you need a Wolverine film that has a bit of a hard edge. You can't do this PG-13 shit with a character that is as violent as Wolverine. I've said this in previous broadcasts, and I will continue to say that. Last two bits of movie news to close out this week. Deadline.com is reporting that Matthew Fox will be playing the bad guy in the thriller I, Alex Cross, which of course is based on the James Patterson book um, about Alex Cross, which will be played going forward by Tyler Perry, who is rumored to be taking over for Morgan Freeman in the role of Alex Cross. Um, I really haven't read the James Patterson books. I see a lot of people reading them. I'm told that they are very good and that the Alex Cross series in particular is a very fun read. I personally have no issue with Tyler Perry doing it. I mean, what the fuck else is he going to do other than wear drag and make, you know, typical uh, black romantic comedies, which which are highly fucking lucrative and successful, so I can't even hate on the dude. I just feel that he he's only known for playing the old lady with the wig. So seeing him take on a different role is going to be worth watching, and I'm, I'm actually interested in checking it out just to see if he can uh, pull off a character that was made... Uh, that was so well played by Morgan Freeman. Which, by the way, if I were ever uh, being reincarnated, I would love Morgan Freeman to just read my life story. Just if I were reincarnated as like a fucking snail, when the credits begin on the story of my life, I need Morgan Freeman to be the one reading them. Because he's just awesome. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Morgan Freeman is the truth. Last but not least, it is official that Kevin Costner will be playing Jonathan Kent in the Superman reboot. He, of course, joins Diane Lane, who will be playing Martha Kent. As of right now, it seems that Viggo Mortensen will not be playing General Zod if he commits to Snow White and the Huntsman. So, that's pretty much it, folks. Pretty short show this week. A couple of things, of course. Uh, Brendan Sh- i got to give out a couple of plugs. BrendanShawBMMA.com. Brendan Schaub is fighting uh, Mirko Krokop this weekend. So definitely do yourselves a favor. Order UFC 128. Uh, see Ricardo Almeida and Mike Pyle, uh, John Bones Jones, Shogun, Eddie, Eddie Vineland, and um, Uriah Faber. Actually, I think I messed up his name. I believe it's Eddie Wineland. Fuck. I closed my notes. And, um, yeah, Look, Order 128 is going to be awesome. Uh, John Jones, Shogun is going to be the shit. Um, I am picking Shogun in that fight. Uh, again, not against my better judgment, because Shogun is no joke, but because everybody is now on the John Jones gravy train, saying how awesome he is, they forget that Shogun has been putting fist to face for a long time. This is a guy that soccer kicked motherfuckers in the face in pride fighting. Don't sleep on that, folks. Don't hop on the John Jones train. Um, just look at the fight as a, 
a great matchup that has the potential to be fight of the year. So, with that said, UFC 128, this Saturday on pay-per-view. All right. Like I said, let's get these plugs out of the way. BrendanShawBMMA.com, of course, is Brendan Schaub's website. You can check that out to keep up with him. You can also follow him on Twitter. The crew at BeantownGamer.com, of course, for their support. GamerFitNation.com and DualShockers.com as well, who always support MTR. Uh, you got to throw a shout-out to MichaelJaiWhite.com. He will be back in April. Um, SuperheroStuff.com, and you can follow Superhero Stuff on Facebook. They will probably be back on the show in May when the Marvel movies start coming out, so keep an eye out for that. The VGN crew, of course, Don Anderson, Kevin, Jedi, Brian Beard, Larry Mack. You can follow those guys on VGNRadio.com for all their broadcast information, or you can listen to Don's Tumbling with Tumbleweed also on the Blog Talk Radio Network Tuesdays at 11 p.m., and you can listen to Cleveland Sports Radio from the VGN Network by going to VGNRadio.com, and you can see their schedule there. Of course, Born Stubber Radio for their continued support of MTR and all our endeavors. 411 Mania, OCRemix.org for their great music. MMA Junkie for their great MMA news. Of course, our content partners, This Is Wrestling Podcast, and my buddy Josh from MMAValor.com, a USA Today MMA blog, by the way. Definitely head over to MMAValor.com to check it out. Um, you can also check out his Bellator video feed. He's got a lot of great Bellator highlights. If I remember correctly, you should go on to MMAValor.com, scroll down, and it should be on the left, on the right-hand side of the screen towards the bottom. So do yourselves a favor. If you're a fan of Bellator and unbiased, kick-ass MMA coverage, go check out my boy Josh at MMAValor.com. Of course, Hayden Dalton from Darksiders. Follow him on Twitter. You can go to my Twitter feed and follow him. It's at Hayden Dalton, and you can also read his blog. It's HaydenDalton.WordPress.com. Of course, the wonderful ladies at GirlGamer and GamingAngels.com for supporting MTR and the crew at MMA Gospel as well. You can listen to MMA Gospel every Wednesday at 8 p.m. on the blo- at 8:30 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Uh, Gary Spilled Bag of Ice and the rest of the MMA Gospel family bring you some really great ra- MMA radio every Wednesday. So check those guys out if you get a chance, or head over to MMAGospel.com as well. Um, they put a lot of great content out. Stop in, comment. Tell them Rich sent you so they know who the fuck you are. And got to definitely throw a huge shout-out to those guys. Anybody else that I unfortunately left? Oh, and of course, fuck, Razor Rob. Razor Rob fought for Bellator this past weekend. Um, He lost, unfortunately, but he had a really great performance. You can check out his site. It's RazorClothing.tv for any Razor clothing that you would like to order. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Razor Rob. And uh, Bloodstain Lane. His fucking MMA video blogs are redonkulous. Yes, sir, redonkulous. He will be on My Take Radio, I believe, in the first week of April. I don't have my schedule in front of me. But if you want to see what all the hype is about, youtube.com slash the team takeover, and you can check those videos out as well. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of My Take Radio. It is My Take Radio episode 83 for Thursday, March 17, 2011. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on MyTake Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow the show account. It's, mytake, it's twitter.com slash mytakeradio. Or you can follow my personal account. It's twitter.com slash akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, and the number 25. If you're on MySpace, myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And, of course, if you spend every waking moment on Facebook, 
hit that like button at, at facebook.com slash mytakeradio and continue to help us grow. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you all for listening. Of course, got to throw a quick shout-out to our staff for all their hard work, including our newest staff member, Mist. Uh, if you are on Twitter, definitely look her up. Tell her you're an MTR fan. Let her know that you like her wrestling articles because they are pretty kick-ass. And, of course, Slick, Andrea, Bronx, Ant, and Josh, of course, for their great work always for MTR. So definitely got to throw out a shout-out to those guys and acknowledge all the hard work they do. All right, that's it. No more shit-talking, folks. See you guys next week. Um, who will my guests be? Who knows, since all my guests are caught up in fight week this week. We shall see how it unfolds. That's it. Peace. Taking us out this week hmm, will be the Go Back to the Streets from Streets of Rage 2 by Gecko Yamori. You can download that and any of the other music that you've heard on previous outros at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org.